The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the show. We drop a new episode every week. Subscribe, any platform lets you do it. We'll let you know when the next episode drops. You want your child to do well academically. Still, there is a fine line between being helpful and supportive and being so overly involved and overly invested that it's actually disempowering and negatively impacting your child's mental health. Part of what's interesting about today's episode is that the parental compass, us, are meeting the parent compass. The Parent Compass is a book co-authored by today's guest, Cindy Mucknick. It is all about navigating your teen's academic journey. It was a great conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. Check it out. And then Heather had a newsletter called The Parental Compass, and it's like, well, let's just call it that. That sounds good. We need that a works. good name. So Yeah, well, great minds think alike, I think. The more, you know, it's, it, you can follow a few, a few com- compasses or compi. I don't even know what the plural is of compass, but, um, but my co-author Jen Curtis, um, she gave me, I'm not wearing it today, but she gave me a little necklace of a compass as a tangible reminder to kind of keep whenever you go off track to kind of come back to that parent compass and sort of check yourself and check the way that you're parenting so that we can, you know, do it in the most healthy way for ourselves and for our kids. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think about the show is like, it's not strict rules. It's just some ideas to kind of steer you in the right direction. And um, well, taking it to education, for me, school was always an incredibly painful process. Like I, I had learning disabilities and it was just unpleasant for me. And what if you have a child that just isn't into academics and they're not yep. motivated. I mean, what, what can you do there? Yeah, no, that that's one of the, well, that's one of the hard things that parents, you know, kind of struggle with is what do you do with a child who isn't academically motivated and school is kind of their job every day. How do you kind of work around that? Or how do you help light a fire? Or how do you, you know, um, gently push without pushing too hard, whatever it might be, or suggest or sprinkle. I sometimes say sprinkle in little ideas. And Honestly, I think a big part of our goal as parents is to appreciate the child we have in front of us instead of the child that we're trying to inauthentically create. And that's a quote from our book, which is the idea that, you know, every kid, regardless of whether they like to learn academically in a school setting or whether they like to learn lots of different things that you might not learn in a classroom, whatever they're wanting to learn and curious about, it's our job to hook into that. So if you have a child that has a unique interest, you know, or, you know, is interested in the arts or interested in video games or interested in, you know, um, something that's, that's less traditional, a trade, for example, a child is interested in electronics and, um, 
and, you know, plumbing or working with their hands in leather or whatever it might be. There are a lot of other options out there other than directing our kids to college. Um, so many kids go to community colleges, they go to trade school, they go to um, different, you know, they go into the military, um, they choose these alternative routes. And so, you know, finding what, you know, the reality is kids still have to go to school through high school. I mean, that's kind of a law. So in order to help them get through high school, if you can hook into what it is that excites them outside of the classroom or helping them find things that they're learning in the classroom that pertain to what they love to do outside the classroom. For instance, if you're into electronics and engineering, you need to take an interest in math and you do need to kind of do the work that goes with math or you're interested in becoming a musician, then being in the marching band or studying the arts or, you know, taking, you know, you know, the art class at school is important. It's not kind of a fluffy class. It's something that will help, you know, in your next steps. I worked with youth in foster care for a long time and a consistent challenge for the youth I was working with was they had kind of a low pain tolerance when it came to academics or if something got challenging, it was very frustrating. And I think that's a lot of children's experience. But are there any ways that we can help build more resilience in children? Absolutely. Um, that's one of the themes in our book is teaching kids, um, you know, so the importance of self-advocacy, but how to be self-advocates. And as parents, we can help instill that in our kids starting at a very young age um, as parents or foster parents or, you know, as the adult in kids' lives. In terms of building that resilience, I think really comes from you know, them learning that they can speak for themselves instead of us being the one that's always speaking for them. And that can start in the doctor's office or the dentist office when they check in and say their age and name and birth date and, and what's wrong. Um, that can be when they have a problem in school and you brainstorm with them a little like, oh, I, I hear you. That sounds so frustrating. You know, what kinds of things do you think you want to do about it? Or should we brainstorm together? and helping equip them to, you know, go to their teachers um, when they're feeling frustrated or don't have help or go to those other adults that they trust in their lives to find support. And, uh, you know, it really is, you know, we, we hear resilience. I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that our kids have a lot of it already. It's inside them and we just need to let them kind of use it and show it and kind of practice it. Um, and I think that starts with self-advocacy. It also starts with um, parents who ask, I think, good questions um, of our kids because we need to get to know them a little better when they go in their rooms and close the doors and, and get on their phones or social media or when they're just not as communicative, which might happen more in the teen years as they're you know, becoming more independent and trying to kind of separate a little bit more, which is pretty natural, uh, to ask good questions that aren't just, how was your day at school? because usually that gives us just the flat answer or how did you do on your test? And to be questions that are more measured. Instead, we can ask questions like, um, I know you were working so hard on that project. You know, did it work out okay? How did the presentation go? I loved that you put in a lot of effort as opposed to what was the outcome of the project? Or sillier questions like, um, you know, what um, what's something funny that happened at school today? Or what's um, you know, what's your theme song of the day? Was it a positive day? Was it a negative day? You know, what lyrics would you use to describe your day? Just being a little more creative in the questions we ask 
and then making sure that we really are good listeners. And I think that's probably the hardest for me. I'm more of a talker as you're probably seeing. So learning to really, um, use our, our body language and connect with our kids and to really sometimes just all they want to do is dump and have somebody trusted that can listen and not just jump in and fix. Um, yeah. you know, that's, we, we have a tendency to do that, to want to fix. And because oh. we know more and because that's coming from a place of love and we think that's what they need, but really sometimes they just need a shoulder to cry on or someone to dump to. And for you to say, you know, what can I do? Do you just want to hug? Do you just want me to listen? You know, what's the best for you right now? What are you looking for? And sometimes they just say, I just want to tell you that's it. <laughs> well, I think that desire to like swoop in and fix, like you don't want to see your child suffer, but you can't do the learning for them. And if you're doing too much for them, it's almost disempowering. Like you're trying to be helpful, but by doing too much, you're saying you can't do it on your own. And you hear so much about like helicopter parents or very involved parents and you want to be involved, but where's that line where it goes from like helping to, to harming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the parent compass um, to, to take a step back was really written for a couple of reasons. One was the catalyst for writing. It really was operation varsity blues in, you know, early 2019 when, you know, 40 or 50 parents went off the rails and were, you know, creating false identities for their kids and helping them find ways to cheat on standardized tests and really, you know, going to jail over, you know, I mean, that was the ultimate extreme helicopter oh, wow. parenting, you know, and Jen and I, my co-author picked up the phone and called each other and just said, oh my God, this is just a gut punch. You know, we had both been private college counselors, worked with students for years and years, helping them navigate high school and helping them put together their college applications. And in an ethical and honest and true way at whatever academic level these kids might be, either high achievers or kids who are just hoping to go to, you know, get an associate's degree, you know, whatever it might be. And what we found was um, these helicopter parents, you know, some of their um, characteristics were kind of appearing in our office, not, you know, in the extreme unethical ways, but we were getting emails at night that sounded like they were from the parent, not the kid. Mm -hmm. And the parents were making their appointments and the parents were speaking for them. And the parents were, you know, kind of taking over and, and micromanaging and controlling these kids' lives. And what it was producing were kids who couldn't self-advocate and who were depressed and unhappy and felt like their parents didn't think they could do it and who were very fragile. And so we decided to create the parent compass to really say to parents, you know, here are the things that are really beneficial that you could be doing that are in service of your kids. And then here are the examples of when it's really not working and you should pay attention. And so we put case studies in from students we worked with. We interviewed teachers, we interviewed heads of school, we interviewed thought leaders and fellow authors. We interviewed psychologists to really get a sense of like, what are parents doing in this generation? Could you give an example? Like what are some things that are helpful and what are some things parents do that aren't working? Like I assume, Faking the emails. Uh, <laughs> the good things that parents are doing are um, a little bit of what I referenced before, but mostly um, kind of walking beside their child. If you think of it in terms of like a, a visual walking beside and standing beside them instead of leading or pushing. So by being kind of shoulder to shoulder when they're having a huge problem or by being shoulder to shoulder when something amazing happens, 
Um, I think that it's, it's a position that we take and it, it, the hardest part I think for parents to do is understand that by doing this fixing, which you mentioned and, and micromanaging that comes genuinely from a place of love, because we want to help and take away pain and this and that by letting our kids falter, by letting them make mistakes, by letting them fail. And as hard as it is to watch all of the data, all of the statistics, all of the studies tell us that's one of the best things we can do. So think of the playground as the parent where the kid that falls down, the parent just wipes the nose and wipes the knees and tries to smile and get them to not cry. And then the parent who says, oh, wow, that looks like it hurts, you know, where, you know, oh, you know, do you want a hug? Are you okay? Get yourself up. You know, whatever it is, obviously not when your kids are in an extreme, if they've broken their arm or something, we're not talking about that, but it can start at this young age where we show our empathy and we remind them that, you know, we've been in their shoes, sometimes telling our own stories of our own failures and our own mistakes are great ways to kind of walk beside our kids. It again, makes us more human and accessible to them. And I even tell parents, if you have to make up a story, that's okay too. You know, if it didn't happen to you, you can bend the rules a little bit and say, you know, this did happen to me because when our kids complain about their homework or complain about a teacher or complain about whatever the usual things are in their teenage life, how, how upset they are, they didn't get invited to the party or how disappointing it was to get a bad grade or whatever. We can relate to all of that. Right. And we can say to them, Oh, you know, I totally feel you. That sucks. I agree. You know, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. And then we validating can to be yeah, like, we can validate it. And then see how they recover from it. And sometimes that recovery does involve us doing a little bit of um, role-playing or a little bit of counsel and advising, but in a very gentle, not, you know, preachy way in a, you know, sprinkling, suggesting, but also, you know, letting them figure it out. And then when they do, you can say, oh my gosh, do you remember last time when you went through this? Look at, look at that. You just, you just, you know, got yourself through something like that again. You, you're capable, you can do this. Yeah, failure is inevitable and that's how you grow. And then you look at your life and when you see like you've gotten through past hard times before, it's like when you go into that next hard time, it's like, I know I can survive this. Yep. And yeah, that's just so important. Yeah, you're better equipped the next time. We all know that the best the next time around. But if we don't give our kids the opportunity to feel that and we take that away by, you know, doing it all for them, then what happens when they when we're not there or what happens when they leave to go to college or go in the workforce? They they just feel they describe, you know, college students today as fragile teacups because their parents have set their alarm every morning, have made their lunch every morning, have, you know, done everything for them that they don't know how to approach a professor. If they have a question, they're afraid to, or they, you know, just, it's very um, unsettling, I think, to kind of see the, what the results are of that love that we're trying to shower on them, but that's just too much. Even talking on the phone. I mean, a lot of people are having a hard time talking on the phone these days. And I'm like, I love talking on the phone. It reminds me, I've heard this great metaphor before, maybe you've heard it, where it's like a butterfly when they're in the cocoon, you know, or when they're becoming a butterfly, it's like you can't just kind of cut open the cocoon because then, you know, just some gooey creature will come out. 
But when they're in the cocoon, it's like they have to struggle to kind of move whatever they have around. And that's what creates the butterfly is that struggle. And so, I mean, I think that's very true that. in life. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that. That's a great, um, that's a great metaphor. And we were on a <clears throat> podcast um, maybe a year ago with Dr. Dan Peters called The Parent Footprint. And Dan said something that kind of stuck with us, which um, we've, we've, you know, quoted him a lot and he, I think heard it from another speaker. So it might not even be his original quote, but the idea that, um, when our kids leave our homes at whatever age that is, whether it's right after high school or whether they stay home more years, um, what's left when they leave is your relationship. Mm -hmm. That's kind of all that's left between you and them. And so if you are, you know, are careful and, um, not just careful, but intentional, about your relationship with your kids in these years when they're still, you know, growing and changing, um, you know, under the roof of your house, then when they leave, that relationship is still intact and they, they want to continue um, to turn to you, um, you know, in, in the future and to have, you know, an adult relationship with you. So. It's such a pivotal time as a teenager yeah. and you're just kind of learning how to be yourself. Yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. I'm so glad we connected. Do you have any closing thoughts or ideas you want to share? Well, I mean, I just want to say I'm I'm so glad that we found you and um, that, you know, through our through our similar titles, but also um, I'm excited about the work that you guys are doing too in your organization. And I just want to say that um, if parents, you know, want to learn more to take a look at um, at Parent Compass on Instagram or our website is parentcompassbook.com. And we love to speak in schools and, um, you know, join other audiences. We speak to teens, we speak to parents, all of that. And, um, you know, we hope that uh, people will help us spread the word, getting the parent compass movement going and, uh, and trying to practice, you know, checking ourselves um, really for the sake of not just ourselves, but also for these important kids that we all feel so fiercely protective and loving of, but, you know, to learn to really just appreciate them for who they are and know that we had our chance to be teens. So we got our chance, we lived through it, and now it's their turn. So we'll just do the best we can, fingers crossed. <laughs> right on. Thanks for being here, Cindy. Thanks so much for having me. So great to meet you, Cindy, the parent compass. It's good to know that there are other compasses out there navigating us to true north. This has been the parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace!